Let's pray together. Oh God, what the music festival choir has just sung. We dedicate to our friend Sue Vandervall. It is not death to die with Christ, one short sleep, and then to reign with him forever and ever. She died in the hope, but how many millions have no hope today? What, how should we relate to them? Let this morning's teaching be clear. We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jamie Coots was a star of the National Geographic Channel reality series, Snake Salvation. A few days ago, he became globally a household name for just a few minutes. I want to put his picture on the screen for you so that you can see him. What's the big deal about Pastor Jamie Coots? He was a snake handler, which is why National Geographic chose to feature him two installments in. Turns out that snake handling began in the mountains of East Tennessee early 20th century. It's become sort of a religious art form. It's passed on by generation to generation to generation. And it's based on their practice of the words of Christ, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 18, and they will pick up snakes with their hands. And so as it turns out, rattlesnakes have become the snake of choice for snake handlers here in this nation. Which, by the way, is precisely what Pastor Jamie Coots was doing. We'll put his picture back on the screen. Three Saturday nights ago tonight in his small white church in the woods outside of Middlesboro, Kentucky. You see him there. He's holding, holding that rattler. Sign of faith. Look. See? But on that Saturday night when they were worshiping, something terribly went wrong. And that rattler seized his hand and sank the venom in. Fortunately, somebody went ahead and called 911. By the time the EMTs had arrived, the pastor had already gone home. Two hours later, he was dead. Three days later, the, the little congregation gathered to bury him at that funeral. And as soon as the funeral concluded, the mourners went back to the church to handle snakes. We shake our heads We mutter how sad to be so mistaken about the words of Jesus, but I wonder out loud if perhaps we are just as mistaken about red-letter words of Christ right next door to that verse. Open your Bible with me to the punchy little dramatic Gospel of Mark. Open your Bible to Gospel of Mark. Do it on your phone, your tablet. Let's go. Mark chapter 16, the very last page of Mark. Mark chapter 16. Now, here's the verse. Here's the verse that I humbly believe they've misunderstood. This would be Mark chapter 16, red, red letters. You've got a red-letter Bible. These are red. These are the words of Christ, his last red-letter words in this dramatic little gospel. So this is Mark chapter 16. I'm in the NIV. You didn't bring a Bible. Pull the pew Bible out, page 688 in the pew Bible. Here we go. Jesus said, verse 18, and they will pick up snakes with their hands... And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all, and they will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. He's talking to the eleven just before he leaves. Now, there is no call for snake handling here. In fact, what's happening here, do you remember the story about Paul in Acts 28? He's, he's on this ship. The ship, uh, the ship crashes on a little island called Malta. 
You remember all the survivors are, up, are, are picking up driftwood to get this roaring bonfire going. The islanders are helping them. Paul doesn't see a viper tucked in with the driftwood. He picks it up, psh, locks onto his hand, and everybody gasps. This must be a truly evil man. The gods are sending him to death. Paul shakes the viper off into the fire and goes on. He doesn't die. And then they say, the God that this man serves, whose name turns out to be Jesus. It's clear. Jesus is not giving an invitation to practice. This is a, this is a promise of protection. But what about us and those red letter words? It's the other line I'm, I'm concerned about today. Jesus begins when he gets to that line about snakes, he begins with these words. Let's pick it up in verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. Judas is gone now, so it's just eleven. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And then he said to them, I want you to catch this. This is verse 15. He said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, this is called the Great Commission. Some people call it the Great Omission. Why? Because I don't take it seriously. That's why. I don't take it seriously. Do you take it seriously? Do we really? Come on. Do we really take those red letters seriously? Maybe we're just as mistaken as the snake handler with verse 18, the way we treat verse 15. Does Jesus take this line seriously? Are you kidding? Watch how many times Jesus repeats himself. He is so sold out on what he has just said. Watch, count them, how many times he'll repeat himself. Take your uh, study guide. Ushers, if you'd be so kind as to make sure that uh, in case somebody got in without that worship bulletin, brand new study guide, I'd love for you to have this one. Hold your hand up, up in the balcony. Good. Everybody in the choir has it. By the way, we put little pencils right by your uh, chair so you can fill in the study guide. Thank you again, music festival, orchestra, and choir. We're so honored to have you. All right, so the ushers are going. I want to say a word to those of you who are watching right now on live streaming, wherever you are on this planet. We're delighted that you've joined us. You might be watching on television right now. Also glad you're here. Let me give you the same, uh, same study guide. Put the, uh, put the website on the screen for you, www, there you see it, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking at a little mini-series. It's just three parts long. This is part two, sold out, exclamation mark. Part two will have a study guide. Click on the study guide. You will have the identical one we have in front of us. Okay, how sold out is Jesus? Take a look at this. Okay, so let's, let's get to Mark 16. As it turns out, Mark is the first gospel that was written anyway. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Fill it in, please. These are red-letter words. Go, Jesus just said. We read it. <clears throat> Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go, all the world, all creation. Sold out. I mean, if it were only that line, he's sold out. This is the last thing he says before he leaves. He has to be sold out on it. But it's not the only time. Watch this. Matthew comes along after Mark has written his gospel, and Matthew says, hey, listen, let me give you the gospel commission as I remember it. And Matthew, jot it down, Matthew 28, his, his gospel ends with these red-letter words. Verse 19, Jesus speaking, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go, go, go. Sold out. Twice now. It's got to be sold out. And by the way, when I see that reference to the Trinity, it reminds me of this line, and I have to share it with you right here. Clark Pinnock, in his, uh, in his stirring book, 
a wideness in God's mercy, the finality of Jesus Christ in a world of religions. He's talking about how do you take the gospel to the whole world. Notice how he puts it. Let's put his words on the screen. I love this line. We'll come back to it. I mean, let, may it stay with us. The triune God is a missionary God. He's the first missionary. He is the missionary. The triune God is a missionary God. The Father sends the Son and the Spirit into the world. His heart reaches out to embrace the world. He gives himself up in becoming human, moves history toward redemption. Here is the basis for the unity of humankind and the salvation of the world, end quote. Two times already. We know he's sold out. Oh, Luke says, wait a minute, let me, let me throw in a third. Here comes the end of his gospel. Luke's not going to leave it out. Luke chapter 24, keep writing. Verses 47 and 48, same 11, Jesus speaking. Repentance, he said, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to how many nations? All, all over again. To all nations beginning, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Sold out on the Great Commission. John, not to be left out, but see, John comes at the end of the first century. So he says, listen, we've had those words a long time. Let me, let me add my rendition of the Great Commission. Here's John 20, 21. I love this line. Jesus speaking also to the 11, as the Father has, what? Sent me. I am sending you. The old King James reads, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Sold out, sold out, sold out. How about the book of Acts? Book of Acts begins with red letters. Here he is, same Jesus, sold out still. Acts 1a, fill it in, please. Jesus said to the same 11, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Luke's already used that word. He comes back to it. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the what? To the ends of the earth. Sold out the whole planet. And then Paul comes along, the greatest Christian who's ever lived. And guess what? When Luke tells a story about Paul's con conversion on the Damascus Road, Paul himself in testimony says, when Jesus met me, here's what he said. Jot it down. Paul, recording the words of Jesus, I, Christ Jesus, am sending, there's that word again, I am sending you to the pagans to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Boom. Six times right there in the New Testament. Sold out, sold out, sold out. But guess what? God was already preparing for that great commission, and he embeds it in the Old Testament. This line is called the Great Commission of the Old Testament. Take a look at it. It's Isaiah 49. God speaking, I, the Lord, will make you a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Sold out. I am big. I am very big on this great commission seven times. There they are, ladies and gentlemen, seven iterations of the Great Commission. Seven times to make sure that we got it. Seven times. Clearly, jot this down, will you? Clearly, God is sold out on my becoming a missionary to the world. Last Sabbath, God is sold out on my becoming a member of the church. This Sabbath, God is sold out on my becoming a missionary to the world. And next Sabbath, the last piece, God is sold out on my being willing to become a martyr for the kingdom. The one subject that the American pulpit today is absolutely silent on, we're going to tackle next Sabbath, the death of Christians all over the world, and nobody is speaking up on their behalf. I'll talk about that next week as we wrap the miniseries. And by the way, you have these seven iterations of the Great Commission. Did you notice there are some common denominators that they all have? Four of them. Let's just look at four of them. And coincidentally, they all begin with the letter G. Let's go. We'll fly through these four and then I'm done. Number one, go. Number one, go. 
You know, two of my favorite sports in the Winter Olympics. Did you get any? Did, did you get a chance to watch any of the Winter Olympics? So, two of my favorite sports, maybe they're yours too, are this it, it, are the Super G slalom. That's downhill skiing. You remember that Super G slalom? Whoo! How do these guys do it? And then the other one, two man, four man bobsled. I mean, they're going up to 90 miles an hour. It's the speed and the adrenaline that I think uh, we all get excited about. But did you notice this with the bobsledders? I noticed this. No matter what their mother tongue, I mean, they're from all over the world, but no matter what their mother tongue, they all spoke in English. When the bobsledders were down, that team was there, and you know, they kind of slide that, that sled back and forth to make sure that the runners aren't stuck in the ice. And then the... And they start running as pell-mell, and they're all yelling in English, go, 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 go. I don't know what Latvian for go is, but they like go better. Why are they saying go, 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 go? Because there comes a time when all the training and all the preparation need to be over, and you've just got to go out there and go. And God could not agree more. There comes a time when you've got enough education. You have been in this place long enough. Forget the third doctrine. Get out. Go on. Go. Go, 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 go. Four common denominators. Number one, G, go. Go into all the world. Number two, jot it down, global. It's clear from these seven iterations, global is one of those common denominators. And by the way, when God says go into all the world, he doesn't mean hanging around the house for the rest of your life. Go, go, go. Global. I like the way David Platt puts it in his rather uh, provocative book entitled Radical. I'll put the words on the screen. You need to fill it in there at the end. Must we insist, this is an American writer now, must we insist on dividing the Great Commission into an either-or proposition? Who told us we had to choose to have a heart for the United States or a heart for the world? Because from cover to cover, the Bible teaches that all the church, not just select individuals, but all the church is created to reflect all the glory of God to all the world. You may go as a missionary. Guess what? If you go to Papua New Guinea, you still have to have a heart for all the world. You can't just say, well, no, it's just Papua New Guinea. No, we cannot limit ourselves to one nation. It's all the world, God says. I want the whole world. Number three. There are four G's. First one was go. What was, what was the second one? Global. What's the third one? Gospel. Jot it down. Gospel. Gospel. Let's read Mark 16, 15. The red letters again. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to all creation. <clears throat> now, I'm glad we have all these high schoolers on this platform. You have just done it masterfully today. Now, I'm going to ask you to kind of go a little bit deeper. Because you're getting ready to come to a university. Oh, we hope you'll come here, by the way. But I want you to just think a little bit. Just go, be a, go beneath the, the surface with me just for a second, will you? It won't, won't, won't hold you here long. But let's reflect on this. And I want to go back to a line from Clark Pinnock. He's Canadian. He, he is now, he died just a couple, three years ago. I'm going to put the line on the screen. And I want you to think about this line. Of the two axioms underlining the theology of religion. So what, what's he talking about? He's saying, look, if we're going to, we've got to reach Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, you know, got the whole world, atheists, seculars, whatever. So if we're going to have a theology of religion, there are two, there are two axioms. That means there are two premises, there are two pivot points. We've got to drive the stake down twice, these two stakes. So here come the two stakes. Number one, the first consists of the boundless mercy. Write it down. You have to deal with the mercy, the boundless mercy of God which makes possible an optimism of salvation. 
Now, come on, scholars. I want to ask you a question behind me and in front, please. What if God chose to save the entire human race? Do you know that there are people that actually believe that? They're, people, they're called universalists. They believe that in the end, doesn't matter, I'm saving everybody. Hitler included, I'm saving everybody. Well, you and I aren't really in that camp. No, we're not. You know why? Because you and I believe in the supreme value of the universe, and it's something called free choice. Isn't that right? I mean, you can't have love without free choice. If you don't have free choice, is that love? No, that's force. Free choice means you have the right to say yes, and you have the right to say no. So because of free choice, we, we, we actually believe that there are going to be some people who exercise that free choice and say, no, I reject you. You're not there. You're out of my life. And God accepts that. Free choice. But be careful now, because the caveat of free choice, this, this little condition of free choice, let's not use it to determine that, in fact, oh, so few will ever get saved. It'll just be me. It'll just be me. Dear God, I'm the, I'm the last one left, Elijah said. God said, what are, you, what, are you, what are you sniffling about, the last one? I have 7,000 other people besides you that you don't even know about in your own home. Sometimes we get to thinking we're the only ones that God could ever possibly save. I don't think that's true at all. Elijah was sure wrong about that. Look, is the gospel good news? Is it good news for a select and elite group of earth children to finally figure out, well, they'll get it and I'll save them? Are you kidding? The gospel is good news for the entire human race. Not, oh, come on, don't misunderstand me. Not everybody, not everybody's going to buy into this. I understand that. But I want to share something with you. This man's name is John Stott, okay? You don't know him, but he died also about three years ago. Probably the greatest English-speaking preacher in, as a pastor, in the 20th century. John Stott, an Englishman. Pastor for years in that one church in the heart of London town. Anyway, John Stott writes this. I want you to see. I'll put it on the screen for you. Yeah, well, you can't just help but just, man, man, I hope he's right. Watch. John Stott writing, I have never been able to conjure up, as some great evangelical missionaries have, and you have to fill this in, some great missionaries have concluded this, this appalling vision of the millions who are not only perishing, but who will inevitably perish. They're all lost. Everybody's going to be lost except for you and me. He said, I haven't, I haven't been able to figure that out. On the other hand, as I have said, I cannot be a universalist. I can't believe that God's going to save everybody. Now, but I want you to just ponder this for a moment. Between these two extremes, I cherish the hope. This is not a prophecy. This is a hope. I cherish the hope that the majority of the human race will be saved. End quote. What would be wrong if God chose to save more people than you and I thought he could save? Would you be mad at him? Would you be upset with him? <laughs> Come on. I remind you. Oh, no. Some people say, well, but wait a minute, Dwight. Before you remind us, may I remind you that Jesus said, straight, narrow is the way, and few people, Matthew 7, verse, Matthew 7, few people will make it to the kingdom. Jesus did say that. He said that in the Sermon on the Mount. He said that. Well, then what are we going to do with the revelation of Jesus? Remember, the book Revelation is the, the, the revelation of Jesus. John, in the Revelation, chapter 7, John says, I looked and I saw the saved people in heaven, and I saw a number that no man can, and the Greek word is arithmesi. From whence comes our word arithmetic? No man can do the arithmetic. This number is so huge, you can never count them. And by the way, he's counted up to two, 200 million in his book, so it's beyond 200 million. What is he saying when I saw a, a, a crowd so big 
That doesn't sound to me like only Elijah makes it. Only the remnant make it. We're looking at the history of the human race, ladies and gentlemen. There's a wideness in God's mercy. Should should we begrudge God of being too generous? God, don't be so generous, please. No. Okay, so now come back. Scholars, come back just for a moment to this line from uh, Clark Pinnock. We'll finish the line. Because remember, there are two axioms. Of the two axioms, the two stakes in the ground, underlying the theology of religions, the first consists of the boundless mercy of God, which makes possible an optimism of salvation. Now, here comes the other one. The second consists of the finality of Jesus Christ. He is the last word as the decisive manifestation and ground of God's grace towards sinners. You can read the rest of it later. The finality of Jesus Christ. Do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus is the gospel. He's the gospel. He is the gospel. He is the gospel. The good news about grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope. Yes, it's true. You can say no to him. You can crash and burn and say, don't touch me. Leave me alone. But when mercy comes a run, and I tell you, she has in her nail-scarred, outstretched embrace all the gifts of heaven to win your heart and save you. Heaven is staked on winning as many as is divinely possible. Look at Jesus. This is, this is Jesus near the end of his life, by the way. This is John 12, 32. Jesus speaking, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all. How many people will he draw? All people. I'm going to draw the whole human race to me. That doesn't mean I'm going to save the whole human race. Please don't be misunderstood. Don't misunderstand. No, but I will draw all people to me. Some can say no, of course. But who could begrudge God of, of the God of Calvary of saving everybody he possibly can? And maybe it's not a tiny little number. Just maybe it's not. And would you be upset if it turns out there are more there than you thought would be? Nope. All right. There are, there are four common denominators. Number one. What was number one? Go. What's number two? Global, what's number three? Gospel, good. And finally, number four. Sit down at the end of this one. This Number four is God. Of course it's going to be God. What, what, what is the truth about the God in all seven iterations of the great, great Commission? I love that line. I'm coming back to it. The triune God is a missionary God. God is a missionary by nature. Thus, oh, I jot this down. Thus, the Great Commission. I hope you never look at the word commission again in the same way. The Great Commission is a co, write it in, capital C, capital O. It is a co-mission. When we have co-leaders, that means we, we, we lead side by side, right? When we have uh, co-operation, it's two people doing the operation together. When we have co-pilots, it's two people in the plane. Isn't that right? Joe, where are you? It's two people in the plane. You just got your uh, credentials for you're working on twin engines now. Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. It's one of our singers in our worship team. So when it's co, that means together. So jot this down. The Great Commission is a co-mission. In other words, it's not a mission you do by yourself, but rather it is a mission you do with Jesus. That's a key word. You do it with Jesus. When you come to Jesus and he saves you, he doesn't turn around and put you, say, hey, go, go, okay, now go out on your own. Go, 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 go. Are you kidding? What does Jesus say? Matthew 28, 20. Put it on the screen. Lo, I am with whom? I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'll be with you forever. I'm never leaving you. (laughs) Co-mission. You and Jesus in search of lost people. Co 
mission all the way to the end. Our son-in-law, Andrew, okay, our little girl, Chrissy, she's 28 now, but uh, she, her husband, Andy, he became a medic with the U.S. Army Rangers. Wow, U.S. Army Rangers, rather elite group of the Army. He became a medic with them. He got, yep, you get, he got shipped to Iraq. Then they moved him into Baghdad, and then the most explosive part of Baghdad was called Sadr City. You remember that from the news? He got assigned to Sadr City. Let me tell you something. When those rangers were sent out on a patrol, do you think they were sent out one by one on their own? Are you crazy? We're in a war down here. You're not going alone. You're going together. That's what a co-mission is. We're in a war down here. Nobody's going alone. I am with you always to the end of the age. What a deal. Co-mission. So there they are. Seven iterations of the gospel. Four common denominators that conclude with one single question. I need you to catch this. I need you to block out everything that's happening around you right now. Just lock in on this question. Everything comes down to this one question. Will you Will you become a missionary for Jesus? Will you? Will you become a missionary for Jesus? Let's take those four words. Will you go global with the gospel and with God for God? Will you go global, go global with the gospel and God? Will you? Will you become a missionary? I had the privilege of sitting on the board of a little, a very high-octane, adrenaline kind of uh, frontline mission organization named Adventist Frontier Missions. And my friend uh, Conrad Vine is the president of that organization. And I tell you what, I sit on that board twice a year. Boy, they are aggressive. You want to talk about... You, you, are you wondering, are there any needs left on this planet for real live missionaries like the ancients used to do? Is there any opportunity left? Are you... There... Put, let's put this map up here. You, if we turn that map into a dartboard, and I gave you the darts, particularly those of you that can hit it from the front row, anywhere that dart lands, you're going to have somebody who's desperate for a missionary to come. You say, Dwight, what if it lands in the Pacific? You'll hit an island. You'll still hit it. Anywhere on that planet. Man, next, by the way, next, next uh, Sabbath when you come, look at the bulletin. We're going to be running this for AFM. They have something, a new initiative called Friday Prayers for Muslims. There'll be a website that you can check out, praying every Friday with the Muslim world for their salvation. What's wrong with that? Take that map. Some of you, when you say, yes, I'll be a missionary, some of you, you know what, you're going to come, you're going to be carrying a little medical bag. That's what you'll be doing. You'll be showing up as a missionary on this mission with a medical bag. Some of you will come with the teaching syllabi. Others of you will come as engineers with the tools for digging wells. You will come with, a, with your uh, pilot's license and you'll cr- climb into that little uh, twin seater. But everyone will come with the Bible and the everlasting gospel. And you'll go anywhere that you can find a plane ticket to. If you have a cell phone and a laptop, you can go anywhere on this planet if you have a plane ticket. That's the kind of missionary God is calling you to be. And I'm asking you today, would you be willing to become that missionary for Jesus? Go global with the gospel, with God. We began with a little something from the news. I want to end with something from the news. In fact, it was on the front page of my newspaper this week. Oh, my. When I saw that picture, my heart just went, mm. 
It happened in Miami, Florida this week. Pamela Rousseau, 37-year-old young woman driving westbound on the Dolphin Expressway when suddenly at 2.30 in the afternoon, she screeches to a halt in her car. She springs from the car. She's holding a baby and she's screaming for help. The baby has turned blue. It's obviously not breathing. It's dead. She's screaming. Two cars behind her, 34-year-old Lucilla Godoy realized what was happening, jumping out of her car, leaving her three-year-old in the car seat. She races up to help Pamela. Just behind the two women is Al Diaz, who is a Miami Herald photographer. He, too, leaps from his car, but he doesn't run to the women. He sees a spots an officer across four lanes of traffic. He dodges through the traffic because the traffic now is just coming to this stop. He gets a hold of the officer. Meanwhile, there is Pamela the, with Lucilla. What do they do? They immediately begin CPR on this tiny little infant. Pamela has her mouth over the infant's nose and mouth, and she's breathing, and Lucilla is pumping that tiny little chest, and it looks like the baby is starting to breathe, but when they hold the baby up, it stops breathing again. Back down onto the pavement, they go, desperate to save the the baby's life. Pamela initiates CPR all over again. Diaz now comes running up with that officer. He sees it, pulls out his Miami Herald camera, and he snaps a picture. I want you to look at that picture. Put it on the screen for you right now. You see why that would stop you dead in your tracks? The baby's blue. The baby is not breathing. That baby is dead. Unless it can be resuscitated. Too desperate. You see, look at the, look at the expression on Lucilla. Look at her face. Two desperate women trying to save one dying child. One child, one child. I'll show you another picture. One God, desperate, passionate to save one lost planet, even if there's only one that I can die for. By the way, they saved the baby. EMT made it, got that baby to a hospital. Baby's doing fine now. Wouldn't have been doing fine. Wouldn't have been doing fine if the people had not stopped. We can't drive by. We can't, we can't, we can't. Has God called you to stop your journey right now and say, wait a minute, is there something, Father, I can do for you? Look at that cross. Look at that cross, one God, and he empties heaven to say one lost planet. Let me, you got two more quotes to write down. This is Christ Object Lessons. Jot it down, will you please? At the foot of the cross, remembering that for one sinner, Christ would have laid down his life, you may estimate the value of a soul. One sinner, one soul, that's it. Look at that cross. At the foot of that cross, that's how much one soul is worth. How can I say, God, those red letters don't apply to me. I don't have the time. I don't have the interest. I don't care. God says, what do you mean you don't care? You're not coming to my home unless you have my heart, boy. You are not coming to my home unless you have my heart. Do you understand that? Read my lips. You love the lost. I'll give you a love for the lost. 
But I need you. It's a co-mission. I'm not doing it alone. I need you. I beg of you. Help me. Shall I lose them? Here's the other quote. Message to young people. Wow, no wonder it reads the way it does. His Jesus' death ought to stir every fiber of the being, making us willing to consecrate to his work all that we have and are. Everything you have, Dwight, everything you have, you consecrate that to me. All the money you have, or the lack of it, you consecrate to me. Everything. All that you are. I'm asking you. I'm asking you, he says, will you be a missionary? for me. Oh, God, you don't know where I am in my academic journey right now. I mean, this would be terribly inconvenient. If I put a, hit a pause button right here, please, please. Or what am I supposed to do? I got, a, I got a life to live. I'm asking you, would you become a missionary over the seas for me? The triune God is a missionary God. And guess what? So are his friends. Are you a friend? Of course you are. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Take out your Connect card today. This Connect card's in your worship bulletin. You have Connect cards in the orchestra and in the choir. Take out your Connect card. Whether you're visiting us or you're here all the time, glad for all. In the front of the card, we do, we do this every Sabbath. At the front of the card, just your name and an email address. You know, a little information here if it's your first time, but only what you're comfortable with. But make sure we have an email address because these responses will have an email address. An email will come to you. Turn the card over. We call this my next step today is side of the card. It's the next step side. Box number one. I am interested in being a student missionary this summer short term. This is for high school students and college students. This summer, I am interested in becoming a missionary. And this summer, I need to tell you that we are sending a team and maybe multiple teams to Mexico to Chiapas, Mexico, the southernmost state. It borders right against Guatemala. Trust me, the danger is in the north. The south is fine. We've checked this out. We don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to go. Trust me, too. Mid-July to the first part of August, first weekend of August. Mid-July to first weekend in August. What are we talking about? 21 days. No, maybe 17. And then guess what? We will also give you a laptop. We'll send a laptop with you and a, and a uh, video projector. We'll even give you the, what to say in front of a little group. We'll give it to you. I'd like to invite you to join us. We've got, we've got a team already set to go. We've got to fill the slots. But if it takes two teams, three teams, I may end up down there myself. Why not? You've got, you got some time in July that you could give? Why not? You can do it. I'm making an invitation to high school students behind me. And college students who are in this congregation right now, those of you listening on the, uh, watching on uh, live streaming, by the way, our website has this very card. You can make a decision there. If you send it to us, we'll have somebody be in touch with you. Give us an email address, please. Okay. He said, well, I don't have any money. I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have any money. God has never said no to somebody going on a mission trip who, who starts out saying, I don't have any money. Now, he may not let you get money because he has something else in mind. Don't misunderstand me. But it's lack of money never stops God's call. You'll get the money. We will help you. Box number one. 
high school students and college students. I'm interested in being a student missionary this summer. Short term means we're doing something, taking Maranatha in uh, the Christmas break. You want to do that? That's fine. And by the way, you're not saying I will be. You're just saying I'm interested. If you put your email address on here, we'll send you the information. You choose. Box number two. This is for university students only, college students only. I am interested in being a student missionary for a year. I'm willing to hit the pause button come, the, come May and take a year away from my studies to go global with the gospel and God. I'm willing to do it. Tell me where I can go. We'll give you a map like that. You can throw a dart at it. The opportunities are endless. But you just indi- if you would indicate, I am interested. You're not committing, but I'm interested. Send me information. Put a check mark there. We'll get that information to you within 48 hours through cyberspace. Said, so, I, I don't know how I can afford this. God can afford it. Don't you worry. God can afford it. If you're passionate enough, you'll be fine. You will be fine. Box number, what is this? Box number three. So this is now, you're not, you're not a student any longer. Hey, what about me? I'm interested in being a missionary through Adventist Frontier Missions or Adventist Volunteer Services. If you put a check mark there, we'll send you two websites. You can be directly in touch with them. The AFM is right here in town, and I'm telling you, they would just like that jump to if you say, I'm serious. Some of you can make career-changing decisions today. It won't happen tomorrow, but you'll make the decision today. And God will honor that decision. Going global going global with him. Finally, box number four, I would like to financially support student missions. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Not everybody can go. Come on. We understand. Not everybody can go. That's okay. But everybody can partner with God in going global with the gospel for God. When you give an offering and you market a student missions, when you give an offering, that will send people in your stead who are able to shut their schedules down and go. You can be a part of that sponsorship. Put a check mark there. We'll let you know how you can make a donation to the university through here. Very last line. Don't forget, if you would like someone to pray with you today, please come to the front following the service. There'll be prayer team members right there and right there. After we've said amen, you just come right up here to the front. They'll sit in the front with you. You're not going to stand in front of everybody. But if you have a heart need that you need prayed over and you don't want to be alone with this need, come forward and we'll pray with you. Let's pray right now. Dear God, They're standing at the side of the road. We're flying down the highway. People who are dying, crying, crying. Can somebody stop and help me? How many millions do you have? They're turning blue spiritually. There is no life in them. And if they should die now, Father, where is the hope? Oh, God. You can answer our prayers right here. Here are your missionaries all over this platform in the the congregation. Here we are, Father. Make it clear. Let us hear the voice of Christ, the great missionary. And when we hear it, give us the courage to obey with all our hearts. Inconvenient? No doubt. Could it be a bother? Perhaps. Out, way outside our comfort zone, for sure. But we are able, oh God, in the power of Him, whose blood-tinged footprints have gone before us. So, 
take our decisions, take these little cards, turn them into life-changing, life-changing moments on this planet for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.